Welcome back once again to the Grief Observed Podcast. I am your host, Brad Morell. And if you want to be on the podcast, just send me an email at griefobservedpodcast at gmail.com or find me on our Facebook page, and uh, we'll try to get you on the show as soon as possible. Um, again, I've, I've had a lot of people stepping up lately, and uh, it's I have been overloaded doing three or four interviews uh, two times a week. And that's in addition to my normal job of therapy. So uh, just send me an email and we will try to get you on as soon as possible. Uh, my guest today is Jason. He is a therapist and uh, he wants to speak to us a little bit about loss in his life and how he's found some ways to help others uh, through his own grief. So I will bring him on without further delay. Jason, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing better every day. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thanks. That's thanks, a, thanks. Thanks for having me, Brad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate you being here and, and look for uh, your your wisdom and knowledge and, and just, uh, you know, just hearing thoughts on your grief journey. So uh, why don't you first tell us a little bit about who you are? So I am uh, Jason. I, I live in Utah and been born and raised here. Uh, by trade, I'm a clinical therapist, and uh, I have. Uh, we'll get into my family situation, but um, but uh, I have a passion to help people and be able to find their best self, and um, that's what I love to do, and that's what I'm passionate about. That is awesome. That is awesome. So, how how long uh, have you been a clinical therapist? So I've been a clinical therapist for 16 years. 16 years. Okay. Well, you've got me beat. I I uh, started this a little bit later in life. Um, I've been doing it for probably about six years at this point, and I absolutely love it. And, uh, you know, you're talking about calling. I, I guess I've always been called to do this, but I didn't get the wake up call till later in life. So, uh, I'm, I'm glad I answered the call cause it is, it's truly a blessing to help others. So, mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, we'll just dig right in any, any, uh, particular loss or have you had multiple losses in life that you want to speak of? Man, there's, I, I believe like, like when you go through a grief, it's, like your calling. And I feel like if you're not teaching people or sharing your experiences, you're, I think you're not fully embracing that experience because every time I share about my experiences, I feel like I grow. I feel like I learned how far I've come and how long, uh, how far I've progressed. So um, my experience with grief is um, I lost my wife to stage four colon cancer. Mm. I lost my mother about a year ago to brain cancer. Um, and then another loss that I've experienced in my life when my, me and my wife were trying to get pregnant, um, we were faced with a difficult decision where our baby was, had a life um, altering uh, uh, diagnosis where it was called anencephaly, where the brain doesn't, or the skull doesn't fully develop and the brain develops outside of the head. And we had to make a really difficult decision whether to 
have the baby early or go full term and risk complications. And obviously at 18 weeks, uh, we chose to have the baby early and our sweet baby Hugh didn't make it. So Mm. in really in this last five years, as we've been so exposed to their, to grief and in all different aspects. And uh, it's been so exhausting (laughs) mentally, physically, emotionally, but um, I've learned, I've learned a lot and I've learned through my own experiences and talking to people about how they've got through it and what they've learned through the process. And my, my, my experience is a gift and I feel like sharing it helps more people and inside it helps me move forward in my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, those are three major losses, uh, a spouse, a mom and a child. And, uh, you know, I, I get the pleasure of looking at your smiling face on here. Uh, you know, everybody <laughs> else will just have to to know that, that good looking guy, but you look fairly young. I don't, I don't know. How old are you, Jason? If I'm, I'm, I'm 40, 40, I'll be 47 this year. Okay. So we're right at the same age. I'll, I'll be 49 this year. Uh-huh. And, uh, I believe those that that's very young to go through so much loss. I mean, I, I, I know there's, there's other people, you know, I had a, a gal on last night who is, uh, in her forties and has lost her mother and father. You know, it's, it's not uncommon to have multiple losses, but, uh, you know, you're, you're talking technically three generations here, a, a mother, a wife, and a child that you've lost, uh, in your life. That's, uh, that's that's tough. Yeah, yeah, it's in every in every aspect there's so many challenges and different views that I learned through the process and had to deal with. So it's it's really like stretched me to be able to grow through this or and I say grow through this because we can really sit in our grief and wait, feel like we're waiting it out. And I feel like a, a lot of people get stuck because they just, they can't progress and they move forward. But some of the things that I've done, and and I think I've learned this from clients doing really difficult emotional things is kind of lean into it to where it's a little bit uncomfortable and then I can step back. <laughs> mm. And then ne- next time I go and feel emotions. I go a little bit farther and then I step back. So I'm building this almost grief tolerance over time. And I'm growing because I can now feel this much emotion. And hopefully within a year, I'm feeling a little bit more and I feel like I'm growing through this. Yeah. And that sounds a lot like, uh, a little bit like exposure therapy, you know, that's, we're we're just going to keep stepping it up. You know, I always use the example. I'm terrified of snakes. I hate snakes and I live on a farm. So it's, there's a lot of snakes around here. Um, but if somebody came into my office and they're terrified of snakes, I first may just have them say the word snake. The next step, you know, maybe, uh, you know, write down the word snake, you know, the S looks like a, a snake. That's, that's creepy in itself. You know, next, here's a picture of a snake. Next, you know, let's touch this snake skin. It's not even attached to a snake. Let's touch the snake skin, maybe a snake skin boot or something. Um, And then, you know, maybe have them even at some point 
pet a, we'll say a tame snake. Uh, I've always said the only good snake is a dead one, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but just stepping it up and, and I understand yeah. like what you're stating, you know, just kind of lean in a little bit more each time with, with what you're doing in, uh, in the grief area there. So that that's good. I think it's a, it's a, it's a constant choice to do that. And, and I don't want anybody listening to be like, man, it was easy for Jason. It's not easy. It's waking up and be like, oh my gosh, I feel awful today. Mm. And, and being like, okay, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> and a mo- creating a mantra for yourself or being like, okay, it's not going to last. Uh, let me just get through this first minute, first hour, first day, and just chunk it down into one day at a time so that you can't, so you're not eating the whole elephant. You're just eating yes. it one bite at a time. And it, and if we do that, it can be, grief can be more manageable rather than this is never going to go away. I hate feeling like this and my life is going to be altered and I will never be happy again. It's, it's, it's a hard place to be. Yeah. You use the word never. And, uh, you know, not only in grief, I, I try to keep people out of the never and the always, but especially in grief, you know, I'll, I'll never, uh, love again. I'll never move forward. Um, I'll, I'll never, whatever, or I always do this or that. That's tough. Yeah. Yep. I'm curious, you know, you're talking about how you had days that, uh, it, it was hard to get motivated. What would you tell somebody that maybe can't get out of bed or doesn't want to eat today? <laughs> Those are so hard days, like are very hard. I mean, they're going to come and we got to embrace that they're going to be there, but don't think that every day has to be like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what I tell people is just, man, what is something that you can do? And, and, and maybe it's you get out of bed and you go shower and you celebrate that, or you go, I talked to a lot of people about work, like returning back to work or returning back to, to school or returning back to employment. And don't think you have to go there for eight hours, go there for a half an hour or go for an hour and be like, okay, I did that. But again, those small baby steps mm-hmm. to to be able to just gradually get back into grief. The for me, I, I experienced this because my wife passes away. Nine days later, my boss from my job is saying, Jason, we need you back. Uh, when are you coming back? And I have all this pressure on my shoulders to return and 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 help clients and help my work but going back so quickly was so emotionally overwhelming and it put so much strain on my shoulders mm. that that I feel like I carried it home to my kids and and, and point is I would show up and my kid my oldest kid he would look at me and one time he said Jason or he would say dad he doesn't call me Jason <laughs> He goes, he goes, dad, you come home angry every day. And Mm. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm trying so hard to, and I say, put on this mask of emotions, that mask of masculinity. And I was trying to protect them from what I was feeling, 
but I wasn't doing a very good job. So you're, you try to step back as quickly as you can and resume your life, but you need some time to work on you. Mm. You need some time to process those emotions and you need some time to just very gradually step back into it. So you don't overwhelm yourself or you don't just shut down and close off and be like, all right, I'm going to pretend that nobody knows I'm struggling. <laughs> I got to put on this stoic mask or this, all these masks we wear to protect us and protect people. And a, a newsflash, like people see through that and people will see that whether it be your kids, your coworkers, or people that are at your church, they'll notice a difference when you are struggling. And um, so that's why I say, let's, let's be intentional with returning or dealing with those emotions step by step, one day at a time, and uh, include people in your process. Yeah. How did you handle that pressure to and I put it in quotations, be strong for others. Like you're, you're going through your own thing and yet you have kids at home, um, that, you know, they, they lost a mom, you lost a wife. How did you handle that pressure? I, I, I didn't handle it very good. <laughs> okay. That's fair. <laughs> so, uh, uh, at, at work, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about work. When I return back, I, I'm dealing with, um, clients that have really deep trauma, and that is in itself heavy and overwhelming. And, and the thing that got me through, and I love sharing the story, is I, I picture this. I'm going into my therapy office. I got a, a day's worth of seeing clients. And uh, I thought, man, I can't do this alone. So I'm going to include God in this and mm -hmm. to help me walk the path. So before each session, I would close the door get on my knees and I would pray and say, Heavenly Father, I don't have the strength to get through this. I need you to carry me through this so that I can be an instrument to help these clients in need. Wow. And and I would get up. I'd be like, all right, open the door. And it was amazing to be able to have God carry me through saying what I needed to say to these families and clients. And, and, and it was amazing experience to just heavily rely on the Lord to carry me through, even though I wasn't in a space to carry through. Mm. And, and, and one particular experience I had working with a girl, I remember there was a pause in a conversation and I looked at her and I said, wow, you have some, really deep trauma that you've never told anybody before. And she looks at me and she twists her head and she goes, Oh, wow, Jason, you are really good at your job. How did you know that? And I, and I, and I think back, I didn't know that, but God knew that. And he told me to say that to help this girl heal and get through this really deep trauma that she experienced. And I feel like, Without God, I would have been a mess returning back to work. So that was super helpful on a work. But but let me transition to at home. Like my kids saw through that. <laughs> I would try to numb out or just check out or scroll or just watch TV. And and I I feel like I wasn't emotionally available and present for my kids. 
And for good reason, I'm struggling, they're struggling. And it's like, how do we get through this? Um, so this went on, Brad, this went on for nine months of just doing this day after day. And I, I got so, um, it was just too heavy. Mm. And I rem I remember being at work and I said, I can't do this anymore. This is too much. Um, I can't pretend and I can't hide who, what my emotions are feeling. So, so actually what I did is I took a lunch break. I went to a church parking lot, pulled out my phone and I said, I'm going to reach out to people in my family, my friend group, my church group and my neighborhood. And I sent them a text that said, I'm not doing very well. Can you come to my house? And I would love to share how I'm struggling, what I need help with. Mm. And I, and I sent it and I was like, okay, <laughs> we'll see where this goes. And and later that night at seven o'clock, I, I, I get a knock at the door and then I realize, oh no, I'm going to have to share. <laughs> and for, for a male that is trying to be stoic, I'm like, oh no, I gotta, I actually gotta do what I told people I wanted to. So they came in and they sat in my living room and we had, and I call like this intervention <laughs> yeah. where I, where I sat down and I took off my, I finally gave myself permission to take off my mask. And I began to open up and share with people how I was feeling, what I was feeling. And up until that point, I had people in my life that were there to help me, Brad, but by not being honest and authentic and vulnerable, they didn't know how to help me. Mm. And as soon as I was vulnerable, it gave them permission to step into my circle and then they could say, and they could act what they needed to do to help support me. And I felt like this is so big for people because we feel so isolated and alone but if we can invite people into our circle, I, I feel like the opposite of grief is connection. So connecting with God, connecting with our friends and family to help us walk this path. <laughs> yeah, that's that is awesome. You used the word vulnerable. And uh, I once had a guy in my office and, and I said, thank you for being vulnerable. And that didn't go over well. And I don't know if it's uh, just that you know, masculine mentality that, that men have so often, but, uh, I said, okay, thanks for being transparent. <laughs> yeah. But, Re uh, reframe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. that one went over better. And and he's like, I I'm sorry. I had that knee jerk reaction. And, uh, I'm, I'm like, no problem at all, but whether you're transparent, uh, whether you're vulnerable, you know, it's, you're allowing people to see the need that you have versus stating, I got this. And yeah. I think that's one of the big things that uh, people have a problem with is, you know, being honest. You know, we always ask, how are you doing? And we always say, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing fine. Good. And and I don't even think we think about it. You know, even if we're in a bad spot, every once in a while, somebody would be like, I'm not doing good at all. You know, but but for you to be able to say to your family and friends, this is what I need, it opened up doors of opportunity for them and ways that they could bless you. Um, a lot of times people in grief, 
aren't able to to be honest. They feel like I should, you know, one of those guilt words, I should be doing better than I am. I could have done this. I would have done that, whatever. They're all guilt words, but uh, I believe it, it does not allow other people to minister to you and bless them in the process of doing it. So I think it's yeah. great that, do you feel like, um, what did it take for you to get to that point to state I've got to have outside help. I just got so exhausted and overwhelmed and it was too heavy. And the heaviness of what I was experienced was far more greater than opening up to my friends <laughs> and how hard it was. So it got so emotionally exhausting and heavy. And then it's like sharing with my friends is like down here. So I'm like, Oh, this is a better option. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I need people to walk by my side. So that that's what it got to is it the heaviness of what I'm carrying and what I'm pr protecting was so much greater than what I wanted to share with my family and friends. <laughs> I've I've shared it on this podcast before, but I'm going to pull it up again because I'll butcher it if I don't. But there's a Tony Robbins quote I absolutely love. He says, Change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. I don't yeah. think there's anything that could be any truer than that. It's we don't move until we're uncomfortable enough to where it hurts. Right. Yeah. And it sounds yeah. like you were at that point with grief. Yeah. Yeah. And during this process, I, I call it my healing team <laughs> because up until the point of, struggling and then inviting people i i felt alone and this team rallied around me to kind of give me hope again mm. and what was really cool brad in this process and we're talking about being authentic is i i created what i call the healing team but we said who wants to be the captain of my ship <laughs> mm. and my sis my sister-in-law steps up she goes i'll be the captain but what we did in this group is we identified ways that, that people could step up and help me when things are overwhelming and so difficult to deal with. And then we came up with a code word. So when I get so emotionally exhausted, triggered, or so stressed out, I could text one word to my team captain and my team captain could send it out to the team and all of a sudden, on hard days, my my team starts going into action to help take off the stressors of my life. Like wow. my 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 uh, my parents were in charge of my laundry, <laughs> so they would come over and they'd start doing my laundry. Um, someone would take my kids out and start hanging out with them and doing fun stuff with them. Someone would take me to lunch. Someone would start bringing in dinners to kind of take off the load and allow me to breathe until I was in a spot to say, hey, I'm I'm okay, mom. I can do my laundry now. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that back. Or, hey, I'm good with um, casseroles and feeding my kids. I can take care of that until I can feel like, like I'm ready to take those roles on. And... That whole process of creating a team was life-changing. And ever since then, I haven't felt alone. 
And again, I'm empowered by saying one word, which was help. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was my code word. And then it gave me strength to be able to say, I can do this. I don't have to feel so alone. And that was, again, that was one of the things in my life that made it so powerful and helpful is to invite people into my team. Mm-hmm. And and we're walking this journey together. It's like in my mind, I see people linking arms with me and I don't have the strength, but it's kind of like God is like walking by our sides and just carrying us through until we are in that spot to be able to move forward in our lives. Yeah, I've I've uh, built teams and things like that before, and I like that idea in grief for sure. Um, I also like your theme of the ship. I, I was a sailor, and uh, <laughs> but I, you know, you, you've told me who your captain was. I'm who, I'm curious who the cruise director was. Who was who was the fun person for you? Uh, that was my buddy. Okay. <laughs> that I've had that I've had for 40 years. And okay. you know, he knows how to make me laugh and how to bring up old memories and just make me laugh. So I think that's probably something that's that's overlooked so often. Um, and I like the way that you did it. That's great. Yeah. Life changing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and again, I, I always say maybe I don't maybe people don't have a team as big as mine, but um, I I would encourage you to start somewhere, start by inviting one person in or two people in to kind of share that heaviness with it. And whether it be God and whether it be my neighbor or a coworker, start there so that you can feel supported through the process um, yeah. and then start building out from there. That's, that's a good starting point to building your own team. Hmm. So knowing you're a believer, um, I'm curious if you had any changes in that, uh, in, in your belief at all, not, not in your belief of God, but, uh, did you feel his presence stronger after any of your losses or were there times of weakness where you felt like, where are you God? I think I was the second where I was angry and upset. <laughs> okay. Be- because in my, in my life, I've been taught to live a good life and be a follower of Christ and, and, and sacrifice and do service. So in my mind, I was like, I, I, I think I have lived a good life. So I, I should be blessed with a good life as well. Cause, mm. uh, but when, he took these people out of my life, I, I would get angry and I would get upset and I would say, why are you doing this? How could you break up our family? And I, when those losses came, Brett, I would ask why questions a lot. Mm. And, and if you think of like a little child that says, why, 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 why questions aren't that aren't fulfilling. (laughs) But for the longest time, when I'd ask why questions, looking for answers, looking for why this happened, it, I didn't get what I wanted or I, I, yeah, I didn't get what I wanted. So for a while I had to shift my questioning to God so that he could teach me and he could tell me why he was putting me through this challenge and trial. So um, so a better question is like, where can I turn for peace 
who do I need to talk to? What do I need to learn? More proactive so you activate the brain and you begin going looking for answers rather than why are you doing this? This isn't fair. Like it's okay. And I will say this, it's okay to be angry at God. He loves you unconditionally and he will help you. So be angry at God, um, but he's not going to leave you. He's going to listen to you and he's going to allow you to go through this and help you through the process. Yeah. I recently heard the acronym of why and they they used the W as who, but I would uh, kind of change it to who or what, who or what helped you, or hurt you rather, who or what helped you and who or what healed you. And so when we're asking those why questions, like you stated, we have to take the questioning a little bit further. And that does certainly activate the brain more than why will lead lead you to nowhere. You know, a yeah. lot of times why there there are no whys sometimes, right? There it's it will lead you to uh more questioning, but questioning uh, or maybe questions that can't be answered. So, you know, asking yourselves questions that can have a valid answer, I think is is good. Yep. Um so well it's it's uh I'm happy for your honesty that you state, yeah, I was, I was mad at God. And, and I think a lot of people would state that, you know, no matter how strong their belief was uh, or is in God, um, I, I think, you know, that's just the honest answer that, yes, I'm upset and I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like you stated, you know, I, I try to live a good life and this is what I get. But it kind of leans into the fact that, you know, we all are going to die. It's uh, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? And uh, it, it's it's something that we're all going to experience um, unless Jesus comes back quickly. And yeah. and to be honest, I'm kind of praying for that. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> um, I'm happy with life, but uh, wow, it's as a believer, we know there's something way greater ahead of us. Tell me a little bit more. You had mentioned you've you've done something with your kids after loss that uh, you wanted to continue to help others, but kind of uh, get your kids involved. Tell me more about what you've got going on, Jason. So after the intervention, I said, I need to step away from work. <laughs> so I quit being a therapist for a period of time. And because I wanted to reconnect with my kids, I wanted to be a dad again. And I wanted to make some memories that were going to be lasting because the memories of my wife going through cancer and death is not fulfilling and it was keeping us stuck. So I, I stepped away and I began making memories with my kids. And one thing that we did is we create a grief bucket list of things that we wanted to do, sat down at the kitchen table, crafted a bucket list of things that we were going to do that summer. And one of the biggest things on there was uh, we were big on service and what we know from reading in the scriptures that even when Christ was going through the hardest time of his life, um, the Roman soldiers came, took him and Peter cut off his ear, but he healed him in that moment of one of the hardest moments of his life. So as I was reading this, I was like, we need to do some service. So we created a uh, on the bucket list was a lemonade stand 
Mm -hmm. and, and the lemonade stand was to raise a hundred dollars. That was the goal to create kits to help people get through grief and difficult moments. By the time the lemonade stand was done, we wrote, we raised a hundred, uh, $1,500 and we began making as many of these hope kits as possible. And we threw it out on social media and says, we have these kits available who has gone through difficult moments and people rallied around us and we would go with those people to those houses where it's been so heavy and we provided these kits and we just sat with them and we comfort them and my boys would talk to their kids and we had these amazing experiences where life didn't feel so heavy mm. we actually felt like we felt different emotions by serving and helping another person and it was i it was life changing like i walked out of the first one and said I want to do this <laughs> forever because it felt so good and it felt so good not to feel so heavy. And that's mm. what was, that's what's so great about service. And um, we began just delivering these hope kits. And then through the process, there was a lady in Virginia that said, Hey, I want a hope kit. And uh, so we designed a box that we could ship out to people and we sent it out to Virginia and she loved it. It was life-changing. And I think my, what I was trying to teach my boys is when you go through a hard time of your life, we don't shut down. We don't isolate, but we can grow from this and we can get closer and we can find joy again. And I, one of my boys caught the vision because he came to me, Brad, and he said, Hey, dad, let's send a box to all 50 states. <laughs> nice, nice. And, and I was like, I don't have time for this. Like, but I didn't want to take away from his faith and what he wanted to do. So we began starting to ship them out to different states to help people in that process. And a year, yeah, about a year ago, last year, um, we delivered our last box to um, Delaware, and now we're able to serve and help people. And every time we're going through hard moments of our life or it gets heavy, we always think we need to share a, a hope kit. We need to go and deliver that to people because that takes the pain out. That gives us an emotional timeout so we don't have to feel the pain. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm on your website right now, and it's hopekit.com, and I'll have that in the show description notes as well. Uh, but it looks like you've got uh, a few different kits and a few different variations of each kit. Why don't you tell us more about that and and maybe what people could find in those kits? Yeah, so you have the, the, the kit that is available for people that have lost a loved one. You have one that has diagnosed with cancer. And then you have another one for mental health that are going through some struggles. So whatever they're going through, they can get a kit that gives them, there's some comfort, there's socks in there, there's blankets, there's cookies in there that give the comfort part. But also we've written children's book that help you remember that loved one or help you understand cancer. And it's connected with the keychain that reminds you of that book in your experience. 
And then it also gives you, I think I said fuzzy socks. It gives you um, a deck of support cards. And I think this is one of my favorite things is people don't know what to say to you when you get diagnosed with cancer or when you lost a loved one. So what we've done is created these cards that will tell you exactly what to say and mm -hmm. how to how to support them. And these are things I've said to my clients. These are things I've gathered from other widows um, and what have said to me that helped me the most. And it's just helps you build a team and feel comforted, but also get you through that difficult moment. Yeah. I, I like the look of these kits. Uh, this is awesome. And uh, I definitely encourage everyone to go out and take a look at the website and, and support you in this. That's uh, and not only support you, but support the people who are going through grief. That's, mm -hmm. yeah, that is awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great that you could involve your kids. We involve the kids because they're going through this. They're part of this. And I think, again, I go back to the opposite of grief is connection. The mm -hmm. opposite of sin, depression, loneliness, divorce is connection. So any way that we can involve other humans in our life is going to be a step forward in helping yourself out. Yeah. Two of the big words that I, I don't know, meditated on at the end of last year were intentional and sacrificial. And it sounds like you're doing both here and in the process, uh, you know, building connection. And I always, you know, if I have a, a couple in my office, I'm like, if you're both intentional and sacrificial to each other, there's no way that marriage can struggle. I mean, you're always wanting the other person to win. And, uh, and I think when we do that with, with others, you know, you're, you're pushing them towards, uh, you know, whatever I, I want to say the finish line, but, uh, but basically you're, you're wanting this person to win, you know, by being intentional, being sacrificial with your time, your resources. Um, but yeah, that's, it's awesome what you're doing. Thank you. It's, Come with a cost. But again, one thing, Brad, that the doctor said in the hospital that I'll never forget at the time was hard. She looked at me after I was looking for answers and said, Jason, cancer has a way of enhancing your life. Mm. <laughs> and at the time, I was angry at everybody. But now as I look back on the last couple of years, I really see how God has enhanced my life and cancer. And it's like, oh, I'm starting to understand why I'm walking this path, being able to meet some incredible people that I wouldn't have any other ways, being able to share my story or connect with so many people. And it's like, I think I'm, kind of starting to understand why I'm walking this trial and why this is helping me become my best self and my family. Hmm. You and your wife now have both lost spouses. How uh -huh. does that work in your home now? Like, is there, uh, I don't know. I'll just, I'll throw that out and let you just kind of run with it. What are your thoughts it's on, on both of you having lost a spouse before? Um, it it has been 
an amazing experience. And um, I think one thing that we really bonded on was both of our spouses lost, lost their battle of cancer. And um, I think that's important in our lives. And it's you shouldn't forget about them. And also, I have two little boys that are still want to honor their mother. So a couple of things that we've done is we continue to have pictures of our spouses in our life. And they're a part of our life. They, I, We feel like they're an extension of our family now. <laughs> um, yeah. But but we also aren't afraid to talk about memories of Valerie and memories of Cody or funny moments or teaching each other about them because it's been such a part of our life and sharing it has been such a healing process mm. of helping each other through the process. So it's like keeping that or memory alive in our lives because we talk about them as if maybe they're still with us and, and they are, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's been, it's been great because when Kirsten's having a bad day and I said, right, what can I do to support you? Do you need me to listen to you or do you need me to help you work through that problem? And it could be a grief issue. It could be some emotions that are really hard, but knowing that perspective, we can approach it in such a way that's helping the person through that grieving process. Or we can just say, Hey, uh, what's coming up for you? Like you seem off and it opens the dialogue of, Oh, this is the death anniversary. This is the day I did this. And we support each other through that because we're so vulnerable or transparent. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> with with this, because if not, um it it causes if I don't honor Cody, then I don't think I'm respecting the relationship with my wife mm. and vice versa. And it's been such a healing process to be able to have this open dialogue. Do you feel like that would be different if you didn't have kids? Like you would maybe suppress more of that thought process of a deceased spouse. Um, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Because I feel like this, this is a part of me. I want to share. I don't, I don't think so. I think this is how healthy couples should talk about if it's something that's affected you and something that's important, you should be able to openly talk about it, whether yeah. it's your, your spouse that's passed away, like that should be something you talk about. And it's not like you're cheating on that person, but you're mm -hmm. talking about memories that have helped you become the person you are today. Yes. And, yes. and, and it helps you learn and grow together. Yeah. I, I think, uh, that is a healthy way. You know, every, everything, we are a product of our past, you know, everything that we've eaten, everything that we've touched, every conversation we've had, it's all been uploaded into our brain and it, it makes us who we are. And I think if we try to deny parts of that, even some of the not so great parts, um, it takes away from who we are today. So, mm -hmm. so if I were to ask who is Jason, uh, even through the loss, what would you say? It's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, I'm a more grateful 
um, more honest, intentional, caring person that is wanting to help more people um, in in a genuine way. <laughs> because mm -hmm. I walk walk the path, and now part of me uh, doing these podcasts and doing these posts on social media is just to help people understand that so they don't have to walk down that path or they can be like oh i'm gonna do this so i don't have to feel that way so that's that's who i am hmm. do you feel like any of the losses affected your sense of identity in the beginning or or no i think it um hindered my growth because i just went inward i closed off i shut down I pretended like they didn't happen, mm. uh, but the more I'm open and talk about them and process those emotions is the more that I become the person that I'm meant to be. Mm -hmm. hmm. How do you approach loss differently, uh, whether inside your office or even with your friends and family now, like in their losses, do you approach things differently than you would have before your losses? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do it so much differently. So I don't approach people and say, sorry for your loss. Mm -hmm. I don't say, is there anything I can do to help you? Um, I, I do exactly what helped me. And I, I approach them and I say, I'm just going to sit here and listen. <laughs> or mm. I come over to their house and I just, Hey, this seems like an ice cream day. Here you go. And, and I, sit with them in their emotions and I stay consistent for them. Mm. I'm not like, like a one and done. Like I got a lot of people at church saying, Hey, if there's anything I can do, and I knew what to say to kind of move them forward. But if there's people that are asking, how are you really doing and sitting in the, in the moment with them, then I know I can trust them and I can walk that path. So I, I sit with them. I spend extra time. I am intentional about my text messages because I want that person to feel like they're not alone. Mm. Yeah, I think so many people um, are attended to in that first week or two, and it's more of just a, a checkbox. Okay, well, I, I checked on them, and, and then people go back to their daily lives and never think of it again. You know, if, and then when you do see someone out in public, it's like, Hey, how are you doing? Okay. And you know, maybe you get that I'm doing fine and they're off to the races again. So for, you know, again, you, you mentioned the word intentional, um, and being that way with your friends. I think when you go through a hard loss, it is easier to attend to people or to, at least understand some of their feelings. We'll never know exactly how a person feels, but to know that this hurts. I recall whenever my, uh, one of my best friends passed away several years ago and I, I made it, uh, I, I was intentional about going by his mother's house once a month at the very least. She didn't live super, super close to me, but I wanted to make sure, you know, how are you doing? Do you need anything? What can I be for you? Uh, but not just a one and done. And I, I think that's what we see so often in grief. And I think it hurts. I would almost rather have somebody not contact me at all <laughs> so as true. opposed to just 
that, you know, walk through uh, a viewing line and, and throw that blanket, you know, answer out that, you know, Hey, hope you're, you're going to get through this or, you know, do you need anything and just never see that person again? That's yeah. hurtful. Very hurtful. Yeah. Very, very. Hmm. Are there any moments now where you still feel a deep connection, whether it's to uh, your wife, your mother, or, or even the child that you lost? Um, I, I think I feel connected to them every time I like do something to honor them. Mm -hmm. um, I think... For, for me, like I think of death anniversaries and, and hard days and birthdays. And for a while, um, I, it was like, some people are like embracing for this worst day ever. <laughs> and for, but for me, I celebrate them. Mm. And on, on those days, we bring out their favorite food and candy and drinks and watch Goonies with my, my kids. And we celebrate <laughs> We celebrate those days because like they're still there. Yeah. And, um, and my boys can't wait for those days to happen. And they're, we're like running to when's, when's it going to happen? And on those days we honor them. We feel their presence because we're talking about them. And I don't shy away from those experiences because it helps keep their memory alive. And it helps me and the boys feel close to those loved ones, even, even our baby that were lost, we still have those moments or we still celebrate them and we feel their presence. Um, and, and the more that we celebrate and honor them and do things in their honor or intentional, the more we feel them in our lives and we feel that they're still a part of our lives. Mm. Do you have any fear or anxiety about future loss? Um, I, I worry about it. <laughs> I worry about losing someone close to me, mm -hmm. but, but I feel like through my experiences, I, I, I know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Like if, if I lost my brother, um, that would be extremely hard or difficult or my kid, but I, I go back to the things that I've done to get me this far. I'll call back my, my healing team. I'll assemble the crew. Um, and I'll start being intentional with how to walk the path. So for me, I'm not scared of death. <laughs> um, because I know how to be able to help myself find joy again. Yeah. Uh, it will be hard. And... I think what I'll do is I'll take more time off from work. Um, I'll, I'll invite people in sooner so that they can help me through the process. So, and, but my belief is I'll see them again. So that's really comforting as well. So it's just temporary loss before I'm reunited with them again. That's, that's comforting for my faith, but um, I'm not fearful of death. Mm -hmm. Um it's sad. I'll cry, but I'm not fearful. Mm -mm. Any misconceptions that you think are in grief, like anything that you think people have wrong? 
Um, I think people have wrong where they think you can just in a couple of days, just bounce back <laughs> and just be like, ah, it's, you'll get over it. I'm like, Hey, we'll just bounce back. I think there's a misconception that um, grief just goes away after a period of time. Um, there's a misconception of how to help people. Um, yeah. Where they just think you just check a box and we'll be okay. Uh, there's a misconception that the funeral is enough to help someone. Mm. <laughs> and, and you talked about it a little bit, Brad, it's like after the funeral is the hardest time to pick up the pieces because that's when you feel the most lonely. And people don't know that. People don't understand that. And that's why it's great to have podcasts and, and create awareness because people that haven't got ex experiences have a hard time understanding what to expect through the process. Yeah. Jason, uh, I'm going to give you the, the final words or anything that you think we're missing here. I always go back to connection is key. Um, the, the opposite of connection and grief and loneliness and sin is connection. So the, the sooner that you can involve people to help you through this process, the quicker you're taking that first step back to your healing process. Um, that for me, that was a game changer being able to share my feelings and inviting people in. And um, I think, and, and that includes God, God's in control through this process and God is healing our hearts. I, I'll just close with this is he's take, he's taking away my wife. Or I, I won't say it that way. That's a bad way to say it. My wife passed away from cancer. I lost a child and I lost my mom. Um, but what I've learned through this is I've been blessed to be remarried again. Mm. And my wife was told by doctors that she would never have kids. And we were starting to be okay with this, but Shortly after we were married, God had a plan for us, and my wife became pregnant. And last year, we invited our sweet little girl into our life. So mm. I'm able to have a child in my life that I never thought I would get. And then my relationships with my two mother-in-laws have really strengthened. So it, I look at it like, God has, people could say, God took these from you, but look what God has gave me in return through the process. And it's such a blessing and honor to be able to have those things. And now I have a, I have more than what I started with when I went down this path. Sounds like a Job story there. <laughs> yep. It really, I, people have even said, are you Job? <laughs> but I, I, it's, it's, it's it's a process, but it's consistently going through this and walking it with God and trusting the process so that you can find what God is trying to help you become or who you who you're trying to talk to and help through the process. Maybe a follow up question here. What would you tell um uh, I guess natural introverts or people who state, 
I like to be alone. What would you tell them in grief? Because you're, you're stating connection is key. Um, what would you tell those people? I mean, it's good to have alone time, <laughs> not have people around you the whole time because you need time to self-reflect, to be able to have some like some calmness, some meditation, because mm -hmm. that in those moments, that's where God can share those questions you're looking for, or you can feel your wife's presence, or you can just detox. And those are important, Yeah, but you need, you need moderation. You need a combination of all of those to help you walk through that path. Yeah. Any other thoughts? No, I just say um, grief can can be a beautiful thing, and mm. we can find joy and happiness again. Um, that could be a part of your process. It's It takes work if you're willing to do work. But finding joy and happiness is possible after you've lost a loved one. Wow. Jason, I, I really appreciate you being here. I appreciate your time and uh, your knowledge and, and certainly wish you well in life. And, uh, you know, I always tell people they're, they're welcome back. You know, you just give me a shout down the road and uh, maybe we'll see how your grief journey is, is continuing to change. And, and uh, you're welcome back anytime. I'd love to, Brad. Thank you for this opportunity, and it's great to connect with you. You too. And uh, we thank you for being here on the Grief Observed podcast. And again, if you want to join us, uh, send me an email, griefobservedpodcast at gmail.com. Please check out uh, Jason's website, hopekit.com. I'll have that in the show description as well as his email address. If, if uh, you've connected with something that he's uh, talked about today and you want to connect with him personally, I'll have his email there for you. So uh, thanks again for joining us, and we will catch you next time here on the Grief Observed Podcast. Mm -hmm.